The following podcast is a presentation of Liberty Christian Fellowship, loving God and loving people in a hurting world. For more information about our church, visit us online at libertyobx.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates and encouragement. We hope this message inspires you and blesses you. Now prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God. God bless. How are we doing? See, that's perseverance. That's perseverance. If you would, grab a Bible, which ought to be close by, uh, maybe under the seat in front of you or to the side, or if the person next to you has one, don't take it from them. But if they got an extra one, borrow it. And turn, if you would, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 30. And I'm going to be reading from the ESV translation. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a bit of a tough one. But it's oh so good. At least I'm convinced it's oh so good. 
I hope uh, you feel the same way in 30 minutes or so. There were about five or six big ideas in this passage that I want to try and communicate to you today. That leaves me about four minutes per big idea, okay? So I want you to understand, I know you're watching the clock, so am I, okay? Context for this. Flip back, if you have a Bible, to the beginning of chapter 24 in Matthew. And look at verse 3. Jesus has been talking to the disciples about the end of the age. And verse 3 says, As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the the disciples came to him privately. So there's no crowds around now. Saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age? So, that's the question the disciples have to what Jesus has told them about his second coming. And Jesus, as he often does with these dudes when they ask a dumb question, he, redirect, he doesn't answer the question directly, but he redirects their thinking. And what he's focusing on in this parable of 25, 14 to 30, is he's telling the disciples, this is what you should be doing until I come again. Let's focus on what you're doing and what you should be doing, okay? And the passage we're looking at is a parable, and a parable is a story. It's an allegory, and the plot and the characters stand for something other than they literally appear to be, right? We're all familiar with with parables. Good. This is a series dealing with stewardship. Stewardship goes all the way back to Genesis 2. Genesis 2.15. The Lord put the man in the garden to tend it and take care of it. Now, that's before the fall, okay? So God's original plan is for humanity to be working productively for the glory of God. Work is not a curse, okay? It's the original plan. And the original plan is for us to steward what he's, been, what he's given to us. What does stewardship cover? It covers everything. Why? Because everything we have comes from him. Paul says it literally in Corinthians. He says, what, well, he asked the question of the Corinthians, what do you have that you did not receive? Answer, nothing. Right. A a scholar said this neat saying once. He said, every square inch of the universe, Jesus calls out mine. Now, the universe to us is a big place. Um... 
Try this on for size. The nearest star to our sun is so far away, the nearest star to our sun, that if you got in the space shuttle, which goes at 17,000 miles an hour, if you got in the space shuttle in Capernaum in AD 30 and took off for that star, you'd be 2% of the way there today. That's the nearest star. Our God is a big God. Because he brought that into existence by talking. Everything is his. But he's given us the opportunity to steward it. This is my checkbook. Uh, Correction, this is our checkbook. (laughs) I'd like you to do an exercise when you're by yourself in the cool of the evening. Take yours out and just leave through the pages. This doesn't lie in terms of where your heart is. This doesn't lie. To the extent that there are entries in here that don't have to do with what you need, those are opportunities. Now, I'm not going to harp on money, but that's an example. Another example. You may have one of these on your kitchen wall, a calendar, or on your iPhone. Where are your appointments? What are you spending your time on? And I'm serious. Try this. Go through the exercise. It's very revealing. So, we talked about big idea number one. Big idea number one is it's all his. None of it is ours. We have this convention in the Old Testament about tithing and 10%. Yes, but the 90% is his also. Now, let's look at, go back to Matthew 25, verse 14 and 15. For it'll be like a man, this is, by the way, is red letter. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples, those who have decided to follow him, not to the world at large. He's laying out his expectations for his disciples, not for unbelievers. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Master, servants. That's what that relationship looks like. The servant is subservient to the master. The servant has no property. But the master is going on a long journey, 
Remember now, Jesus is talking about the time between his first and second coming, trying to explain that to the disciples. The master is going on a long journey, and he's entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his ability. Now let's talk about talents for a minute because it's very important we kind of get this straight at the outset. Our English word talents means my ability to play the harmonica. A lot of people would not call that a talent, but I call it a talent. But that's not what this word means. This word, which comes from the Greek, is actually a unit of weight. It's a measurement of weight, okay? And it's a measure that they had to measure precious metals, silver, gold. All right, verse 15. He hands out talents, each according to his ability. Now, how much is a talent? What was it worth? Well, people a lot smarter than me say that one talent was worth 6,000 denariuses, or in the Latin, denarii. 6,000 denariuses. A denarius was one day's labor wages. It's what you got paid for a day of work. So one talent is 6,000 days worth of income. Round numbers, 20 years. So let's, let's do it, the math in today. Let's say the average is $30,000 a year. You can argue with me about that. That's not the point. $30,000 times 20 years is $600,000, one talent. Okay? So as the disciples listen to this parable, they're saying, whoa. (laughs) We're talking some coin here. Right? All right, so that's talent. But again, it's a unit of weight. It is not my ability. How do I know that? Look at verse 15 again. Because he hands out talents to each according to his ability. So the talent and the ability are two different things. The talent is the opportunity to employ the ability. Okay? That's what the master hands out. The master hands out to his disciples opportunities according to their ability. The other fact of life that's revealed in here is the fact that we have different abilities. But he hands out talents based on your abilities. Ain't nobody getting shafted. No one gets a raw deal. Whatever 
he gives you in terms of opportunity, he has equipped you for. Okay? All of that's in these first two verses. All right, verse 16. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded them. At once. This, this dude has some enthusiasm about this assignment. And he traded them. We don't know exactly what the specific activity was. Jesus doesn't tell us, so it's not important, the specific activity. But trading means there's risk involved. Big idea number two or three. I'm losing track. Anyway, big idea. Risk for the sake of the kingdom is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You with me? Because what does the third guy do? Digs a hole in the ground and buries his talent. All right. We're moving. 19. Now, after a long time, Oh, there's the answer to the disciples' question. When will this be? <laughs> and Jesus tells them, well, it's the master is going to come back after a long time. We're still in that long time. And I've got to say, in retrospect, I would call 2,000 years a long time. He settled accounts with them. He comes back after a long time and he settles accounts. Big idea number four. There's going to be a day when accounts get settled, when the master returns. One of the interesting things about this is the master doesn't settle accounts kind of the way our culture would say they should be settled. You know, group everybody together and say, oh, well, you three guys didn't do too bad. Let's see, I left you with five and two of seven. I left you with eight talents, and now you have uh, five more and two more, seven, seven more, a total of 15. I gave you eight. You got 15. Boy, you, you group did good. That's not what the master does. The master looks at each servant. This is not going to be an occasion where we can hide in the group. <clears throat> the master will settle accounts with each one of us. And the account settling has to do with What did you do with the opportunities? Now, Jesus is not saying, get me 100% return or else. 
What is he saying? 21. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Let me ask that we do something at this point. Right, this split that goes back to the sound booth, all the folks on this side, I'd like you to read out loud verse 21. And then all the folks on this, don't do it yet. All the folks on this side, I'd like you to read out loud verse 23. Okay? And we're going to use really robust, praiseworthy voices to do this. But wait wait till I tell you. Okay? Verse 21, verse 23. All right, ready, set, go. Boy, that was good. Verse 21 has to do with the servant who got five talents. Verse 23 has to do with the servant who got two talents. The master's response is exactly the same. It's not about the amount of talents. Okay? It's what you did with the talents. What is he Excited about, praising, faithful servant. Well done, faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will give you much. It's faithfulness. It's not fruitfulness. A number of years ago, Billy Graham went and spoke to the employees of the Billy Graham Ministries and Association, which used to be headquartered in Minneapolis. It's now in Charlotte, and there's part of it up in the mountains in Asheville, North Carolina. But Billy delivered an address, a sermon, and in that sermon, he made the statement as he looked out at the people, he said, I believe that there are a lot of you folks who are going to get greater rewards in heaven than I will. This bothered one lady who was in the crowd in particular, and when he was finished his address, she came up and said, Billy, look at what your life has been. Look at the millions of people that have heard the gospel because of you. But he said, I said what I said because Jesus will reward faithfulness over fruitfulness. God is infinitely more ecstatically happy with the good use of a small gift than 
with the poor use of a huge gift. That's, that's the way kingdom economics works. And that's big idea number something. Four. Thank you. So it's, it's the faithfulness with the opportunities. What are examples? Well, Moses had a, a stick, a staff. David had a slingshot, <clears throat> right? We've got people who are making amazing use of their opportunities right here in this congregation. Jody Hootie was here in the first service, many of you may know. She donated one of her kidneys recently to a person who was otherwise going to die without it as an expression of the glory of God. <clears throat> That's kind of amazing. What opportunities do you have? What talents? Well, I would suggest to you, one of the talents the Lord has laid in front of this congregation is the opportunity to work in the back with the children. There was a work day here yesterday. I understand a bunch of people showed up and did, Jen says, an amazing job cleaning up the camp. That's a talent. That was a talent. Now, the world wouldn't think that was much of a big deal, but I'll guarantee you the Lord does. If you guys got somebody sharing a locker next to you in high school who doesn't know Jesus or is depressed or needs a helping hand, Ministering to that person is a talent that he's equipped you for. We okay? All right. Good. Now we come to the last guy. So, verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. What was the problem here? He doesn't know the master. His idea of who the master is is all cockeyed. I, I wish I had been there when Jesus first spoke this par parable because I would love to hear the tone of his voice when he recited how the master responded to this guy. 
I think it would have sounded something like this. So you knew that I reap what I did not sow? And gather where I scattered no seed? You knew that. You knew that? What's the problem with this guy? He has no faith in the master. So he's on sort of a totally different sector of the hard drive. I mean, there's, there is no comparison here. He looks like a servant. People call him a servant. He appears to be. He does servant kind of stuff. But in this case, he proves himself to not be a servant. Not the kind of servant that master is looking for. He buried his talent. I got to tell you, I've buried talents. (laughs) We have all buried talents. But the master is ten times more faithful to us than we are to him. And so the talents are going to keep coming to your table. And as long as you have breath and the master doesn't come back, (laughs) we need to be employing our talents for those talents. It's a hard word, Um, but here's the saving grace. Look back again at 21 and 23. How does the master reward the servants? Look at that last sentence. Enter into the joy of your master. Not the joy that springs up from my heart because I feel good because I did good stuff. This is the joy of the master. This is the infinite joy that's been going round and round between and among the Father, the Son, and the Spirit from eternity past. This is the joy that gave birth to the words, let there be light. And a universe popped into existence. And a race of now six billion little images of God are running around in that creation. That's the joy of the master. That's how strong that joy is. And that's ours. Jesus in uh, John 15 
says this, again to his disciples. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, 1511, and that your joy may be full. His purpose in making us disciples is to give us his joy and to make it full. Full means there's no room for more. John 17, verse 13, he says, speaking to his father, praying to his father, but now I am coming to you, meaning the father, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Now, consider, this is the Son of God, the creator of the universe, Colossians tells us, and for whom the universe was created. This is the Son of God praying to his Father, the Lord of the universe, that his joy will be complete in you, his disciples. That's who he's talking about. Now, let me ask you something. Is there any way that a prayer of the Son of God going up to the Father is not going to be actualized and realized and answered completely? What do you think? No, there's no way. <laughs> that's real, and that's what awaits. And that's for now, as we seize these opportunities. I said at the outset that... Um, the whole setting for this passage, the context is, Jesus, as we saw, sitting on the Mount of Olives, and he's got the 12 around him. He's speaking only to them. It's Tuesday afternoon of Holy Week. So in 72 hours, <clears throat> the master in this parable becomes a servant. Why? Because his father has given him a talent, an opportunity. And the opportunity is to redeem the human race from its lostness and sinfulness and achieve forgiveness for our sins and to position us righteous before the Father. The master who becomes that servant, listen to what Isaiah says about that servant. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces... He was despised, and we esteemed him not. 
This is what awaits. This is part of the talent that the father has given the son that he will invest in 72 hours. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. It's interesting, that whole passage from Isaiah is all past tense until the end. He makes intercession, present tense, makes for the transgressors. He is yet today making intercession for us, the transgressors. He's still embracing, investing, employing that age-old talent that the Father gave him today. Now, that's pretty awesome. We're going to wrap this up, but I want to be sure um, two things. I'm going to ask for a short prayer, and then if any of you folks here do not know this intercessor, we're going to have elders here stationed for prayer, prayer team leaders, who would love to embrace you into the knowledge of this intercessor. If you feel like maybe you've buried some talents, the prayer team and elders are going to be here to agree with you and explain to you that that intercessor yet is on your side, interceding for you. There's no such thing as too late with him or too many mistakes. All right? The other thing I would ask for right now, um, Scott had to leave because Lisa is not feeling well. She had an accident this week. I don't know how many of you know. Um, But she got up in the middle of the night a couple nights ago and went to the bathroom and blacked out and crashed to the bathroom floor. Um, And she looks a little bit like a prize fighter now. And she's she's not feeling well. They took her to the hospital. They did CAT scans. Uh, They were all clear. But I would just ask that right now, let's lift up Lisa Hobbs, all of us, Um, and then I'll open the, the altar to prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you for your small W word. We thank you for your capital W word, Father, that he yet intercedes for us. Father, we know at times we've made a hash of these talents. We've buried them. Help us to dig them up for your glory. We ask, Father, your special blessing and healing over Lisa Hobbs. Lord God, you know what a servant she is, what a servant heart she has. Just heal her, we pray, Father. Give Scott peace and understanding. And just bless that family. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.